You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck. And on this episode, we are diving into our top five favorite movies from the film catalog of actor John Cusack. Of all the actor spotlights for us to start with, why are we starting with John Cusack? Uh, scheduling. That's the simplest way to put it. It was the first one that came up that we were able to record. So that's the one we're doing. Uh, we got a ton more planned for the future, though. But as usual, I'm not alone when I do this. So allow me to bring in my guest for this episode. Uh, he's a fellow podcaster. He's a friend. I treat him like a pain in the ass, but I love him. Uh, and his name is Mark Kirkman. <laughs> Really? I'm in a pain in the ass, and you told me we were doing Nick Cage. What the hell? No, I said I treat you like a pain in the ass. Yeah, but you said we were doing Nick Cage. I didn't say Nick Cage. Come on, you said Nicolas Cage. Come no, on, that's man. your podcast. We oh, do Nicolas Cage. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Although I probably will bring you into the Nicolas Cage episode when we finally get to it. Yeah, well, you know, the obscure, very different John Cusack, as we know it. He He's a very interesting actor, because he picks up like different characters along the way but very similar if you realize it too if you think about it yeah there's there's a lot of similarities in a lot of the characters that he plays and that was actually going to be one of my first questions to you is you know i gave everybody i put a list out there when i was going into production with this podcast of like different episodes i wanted to do different mm -hmm. franchises themes actors actresses and everything and i let everybody kind of dive into the list and pick what they wanted to do. I, I told everybody who wanted to be a guest, choose five and we'll pick from that. What made, out of all the actors in there, what made you pick John Cusack? Because he's so interesting. Just the, the characters he portrays in every film that I've seen, very similar, but very different nonetheless. He, he's full of conviction. He has, within his comedies, love is like a, a criteria or lack of love at that point. <laughs> In some of them, yeah. And then he he's avant-garde with certain like characters. Uh, we could talk about 1408 and Con Air and all those things, but you know, a majority of his comedic portion was based upon love or looking for love in all the wrong places or the right places and just can't get to them. So I always liked the idea. And, and he is an actor that pretty much can span every genre. I mean, we've seen him do comedy. We've seen him do action. Mm -hmm. um, he's done drama. He's done horror. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess there are a couple of movies that he's done that would classify as science fiction. Mm. Um, the they're self. definitely fiction. <laughs> I don't know what accurate science <laughs> would, yeah, I... would fall into them to make them science fiction. But hey. Time traveling hot tubs is technically science fiction. It is science fiction with a comedic twist, and you get him opening up his heart throughout the actual movie too. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, we've heard stories too, or at least I, I, I'm sure you have as well as I have, um, 
you know, in, in speak, having the opportunity to speak to one or a couple of his co-stars in, in other movies, that he is rather intense behind the scenes as oh, well. Yes. So, um, you know, it's an interesting approach when it comes to making movies that he he takes that he takes that thing. He takes that format. Oh, yeah. Especially if he wants to piss people off, too. Like when he took up uh, what was it being John Malkovich? He wanted the most obscure script and did that. <laughs> well, that's definitely an obscure script. That fits. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into our top five. Um, uh, but before we jump into our top five, I got to let you know that neither Mark or myself, we haven't revealed or discussed any of our top fives beforehand. Uh, as we do every episode, we don't reveal it because we don't want to influence each other's decisions. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't know mine. I don't know his. Uh, also, just a fair warning, if you haven't seen one or multiple of the films that we talk about, there's a possibility of spoilers because we probably will dive into them slightly. Uh, <laughs> so just be prepared ahead of time. There may be spoilers ahead. Um, that said, let's jump into it. Our top five favorite, not doesn't necessarily mean best, but top five favorite <laughs> of our own personal favorite. Yes. Yes. Uh, top you. five favorite John Cusack movies. I'll send it over to you. What's your number five on the list? That would be Runaway Jury from 2003. That's a good one. Did not make my top five, but that's a good choice. Yeah. Him and Rachel Vice, And I really enjoyed the actual story of the film. And as well as portrayal, too, because he, he seemed kind of twisted. But within him, and just like I stated before, his convictions in every character he presents. Now, mind you, he sent her in to be a jury, but he's always behind the scenes. And you would think they have the relationship, but it's really because he was involved with Rachel Weiss's character's sister. And they were able to... Uh, manipulate this kind of jury that she's on for the cause of what they needed, which yeah. I thought was really creative, very good. It, it's something I could actually watch over and over again because it, it's so intense and you can see the passion in every, you know, between John Cusack and Rachel Weisz. I mean, and there's also other, I mean, you look at Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman in that movie as well. It's got a fantastic yes. cast. Uh, that's a movie I have not seen in a while. Uh, it's been probably, I mean, you figure the movie came out in 2003. It's been, it's been probably a, a good decade since I've seen that movie. Yeah. And is one that probably deserves a rewatch at this point. <laughs> it's the only reason I really didn't put it in my list is because I remembered liking it, but I didn't remember enough to, to merit putting it in my top five. Although that's kind of hypocritical because there is a movie in my top five that I have not seen in probably like 15 years. But I just remember loving it as much as I did that it, it made the top five. Um, was Runaway Jury based on a book? Yes. Is it Crichton? I'm not sure. I forgot. Yeah, I'm not sure that either. I'm actually looking at it now. And of course, I can't see it. <laughs> so I'm pretty. It's. It, I mean, it is a, a law book, so it fits into Clancy, or uh, it fits into Crichton pretty well. Oh, very well. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm thinking it is a Clancy, but I, I don't. Oh, it's Grisham. Ah, John Grisham. Yeah, that John makes Grisham. more sense. 
Yeah, it does. Um, who did I say? Crichton is like science fiction Jurassic Park. Yeah. Grisham is the law one. Yeah, okay. But if you look at like Cusack's work, a lot of like there's a bunch of it where he he has done King, he has done Grisham, and who else has he done too? He he's very interesting when he picks certain stories or movies that he does. I would love to talk to him to find out his process. Same here. As to how he picks his movies, but I don't think he does a lot of press. No, he doesn't. Because I don't remember. I don't. I I can't remember the life of me any interviews he's done. Oh, he's done. Uh, what did he do? He did Hardwick, and Hardwick was very oh. oh upset because he he was told don't ask anything about Better Off Dead because Cusack hates Better Off Dead. Oh jeez, he's got a a problem with that. Oh, all right, fair enough. Good choice yeah. for number five. Yeah, uh, my number five is I'm just gonna get it out of the way now. Con Air. I had to choose it. It had to be in my top five. Um, you and I have talked about this movie before on your podcast. We did yes. a, a deeper dive into uh, Con Air. Uh, 1997, Nicolas Cage, Danny Trejo, John Malkovich. Uh, amazing cast, amazing action movie. And, you know, when I mentioned having spoken to a previous a cast member who has worked with John in the past, it is a cast member from con air mm -hmm. uh who said that out of everybody there cusack was the scariest one on set <laughs> he was you know? very into his role yeah uh cage is. was he said cage was great malkovich was awkward but amazing and mm -hmm. cusack was the one that was the scariest to be around so i i don't know the reason why he was that way but he was i mean and this is con air is basically just one of those fun action movies that you just it's a popcorn movie oh yeah and, and and he's done a couple of those oh definitely but con air is definitely my favorite of the of the popcorn action films that he's done oh same here i i well i think it's just a whole cast that grasped me and we talked about that on my podcast yeah i just enjoyed everybody that was involved in that movie oh yeah everybody um like i said john malkovich Danny Trejo, um, Ving Rhames, uh, Steve Buscemi, Malkovich, Malkovich. I, I said Malkovich. All right. Uh, um, yeah. MC Ganey. MC Ganey, who is the person that I was, <laughs> I was trying purposely not to name drop, but you did it for me. So thank you. There you go. Uh, yeah. Who I spoke to on my other podcast, the spotlight. And he was just, and he was the one that was sharing stories from, from the set of Con Air, which was great. That you shared on mine, which was yeah, amazing. That, which <laughs> I would love to talk to him again too. I'm sure you I'd can. love to get him to do this podcast. Uh, do it. I know. I might have to see <laughs> what movies he wants to talk about and see if I can get him to do. Can you imagine getting MC Ganey on to talk about the film library of MC Ganey? That would be amazing and fun. I, I, I thought about that. And the only I'm getting off topic, but the only other person I thought of who would be more fun to invite Heckner? on to talk about their own movies is Kevin Smith. Well, yeah, well, Kevin always does that anyway. Yeah, that's why I figured <laughs> it'd be fun. I would say Keckner, though. Keckner, oh, who I've also had on the podcast. Yes, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, Keckner might be a lot of fun to kind of get on and just talk about his own movies. <laughs> that could be fun. I might that have to try that. That would be fun. That would be good. 
Because he's played so many strange off-ball characters. Absolutely. But I right now it. we're currently talking about Cusack. That's right. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, let's move on to our number four. Uh, what do you got? Uh, that would be Gross Point Blank from 1997. Also on my top five, but I will wait until we get to that position. <laughs> well, Connor was also on my top five too, but okay, I'll just get to that later. Yeah. But yeah, th- this movie really, I really enjoyed it. Not only do we get his sister in the movie as well, and they work well together. I, I believe she she plays his secretary. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you get Dan Aykroyd. Oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd, Mini Driver, Alan Arkin. Yeah. Um, another fantastic case. Oh, um, oh, G- Jeremy Piven also in. Oh, that's right. Gross yeah. Point blank. Yep. Yeah, because he goes to the the high school reunion. Yep. She gets suckered into, and he doesn't really want to go, but he does because he wants to see Mini Driver's character and kind of rekindle that high school romance. If you think about it. Yeah, there's he, a... he, he's kind of conflicted, but he still does. And then they start up from where they left off. And the consistent joke throughout the whole movie is, yeah, um, I'm a f- professional assassin. <laughs> yeah. There's, It's funny, out of all the lines that you could quote from that movie, the one line I quote the most is, is Piven. And it's when he's in the car with him and he's like, 10 years, man, 10 like so anytime i have the opportunity to quote that i quote that and they all joke about the fact that you know yeah 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 you're an assassin and when they do see it they're like what the hell yeah <laughs> and and the the camaraderie between Aykroyd and cusack on film too i just love the fact that they're always opposing each other they're trying to get each other Aykroyd's trying to kill him because he's got to hit out for him <laughs> and he's got to protect himself it's such a fun movie it's, it's a fun movie a fun to watch movie. I yeah. just, and just enjoy it so much. Yeah. I have a couple other notes, but like I said, we'll wait. It's also in my top five. So we'll wait till we get to that point. Yeah. Uh, for mine. Uh, my number four, going back to the 80s, 1986. I, I know some people would think Better Off Dead is the better movie. I'm a bigger fan of One Crazy Summer. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I, I think I saw One Crazy Summer before I saw Better Off Dead. Well, it had Demi Moore in it, so you had to watch it because yeah, she was so but hot she back wasn't then. that big at that time. No, she wasn't. She was still an up and comer at that. And then time. you got Bobcat Goldthwait, and I just love the whole Godzilla routine in the middle. Yes, <laughs> with a yes. real Godzilla suit too, by the yep. way, from Toho. Yeah, Godzilla, the Godzilla suit, and we also had the uh, the rabid dolphin. <laughs> That was the foam. Foam was the name of the movie yep. for that. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was one of those things that like I think one of the reasons why I so I was such a fan of that movie, because I did see it at a younger age. I was probably I mean, it was it was 86 when it came out, so I was seven years old. I had to have seen it maybe around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe eight or nine years old. So I was under 10 when I saw it. I think. You know, when you compare the two movies between One Crazy Summer and Better Off Dead, Better Off Dead has some cool skiing aspects. Yes. But One Crazy Summer had a boat race with a Ferrari engine. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. as a booger kid, in it, too. Curtis Armstrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as a kid, I'm sorry, a Ferrari with a boat with a Ferrari engine is going to win over skiing. So I, I the think animation that, was actually good too in the movie. I really enjoyed that. Well, Hoops was an animator. Like that's what yeah, he that's exactly. what he wanted to do. And, um, and also another 
Jeremy Piven movie. Yes, that is. Jeremy Piven is also in one crazy he played summer, a jock, hey? those typical jocks that he always did. Yep, because I remember distinctly a scene where uh, they challenge hoops to the basketball shoot elf and jeremy piven reaches up and grabs a light bulb and it suddenly becomes a basketball yep like how ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous is that <laughs> so but between better off dead and one crazy summer it's tough because they're both great movies mm -hmm. I, my heart goes more to one crazy summer gotcha so uh that brings us to our number three all right. Well, my number three, that would be High Fidelity from 2000. Also in my top five. <laughs> his portrayal of a man who's heartbroken and can't go on because of his ex-girlfriend. It always keeps at reminders, has all his music library. Everything is associated with music. And yeah. you, you know me because, you know, I from 16 on, I've been playing music. I went into audio engineering school and I worked in studios, did live sound. And plus, I got to work with people, and I enjoy that. But you also see the turmoil, and you, I just understand that, oh, this song reminds me of this instance of our relationship of that time. And each album he had had something that reminded her uh, of him of her. Mm -hmm. And he had to go through that. And the fact that the library of, like, the vinyl that he had was amazing in his own personal collection. I'm incredibly jealous of his collection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, he owned a record store who Jack Black was. So at that time, Jack Black wasn't the huge superstar as we know now, but played that character that we all enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, it's it's a great choice for movie. I'm going to I'm going to reserve a lot of my notes um for when we get to that but i'm so glad because you're right i know that about you and i kind of had a feeling that high fidelity was going to be in your top five i'm not gonna lie i actually thought it was gonna be higher in your top five or lower in your top five rather like closer to one <laughs> i'm actually kind of surprised it's only number three yeah it's number three but um, it had to be in the middle i had to yeah. had to go in between the drama the the humor and the action and the extreme humor. So. I'm kind of really worried that 2012 is your number one. Oh, hell no. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't even mention that. <laughs> okay, good. Now, yeah, that movie's not even in my honorable mentions. Daphne might actually mention that, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I think they've covered that. On, they did on Run for Your Lives, yeah. So or, it's, if not, are they are planning on to? But it's funny. I think they but, did already. Yeah. But, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised it's not higher or, or lower on your list, but I'm glad it's on your list. Yeah. Because I, I share the same love for that movie, too. And like I said, I'll go a little bit into why I do when we when we get to that point. Cool. Uh, my number three is a movie we mentioned when we talked about earlier on as far as like kooky and and such. Uh, being John Malkovich is number three. Awesome. This is one of those movies, man, that just I remember seeing the trailer and it was so strange. It was far so, out. <laughs> yeah, it was really far out. And then when you finally watch the movie, it, it's so much more far out than the trailer even proves it to be. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a business, a floor of a business that exists inside John Malkovich's head. For it's little a, people. Yeah. It's, well, no, I don't even think they're little people. I think it's what it is. It's like, I think they go to like, 
uh, like it's a like third, an in between floor. Yeah, it's an in. They but go into a only normal little people building. could fit. In there. <laughs> they go into a normal building and it goes to a half floor, like a floor yes. in between two others, where they have to crawl out of the elevator and it puts them into John Malkovich's head. It's so well, weird. it's in the back corner of the office. Cause he was there to do supplies. He was very good with his fingers in filing. And then he found behind the filing cabinet, the hole where you could go into John Malkovich's. Okay. Head. All right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been a while since I've seen, this is that movie that I mentioned that I haven't seen in probably like 15 years, but I remember and it dropped you off on the turnpike of Jersey. That's right. Yeah. Like I said, it's been about 15 years since I've seen it, and it definitely merits a rewatch. Um, but I just remember the first time I saw this movie, I was just out of high school, and I remember absolutely this movie being so far out that I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I had to get it on DVD. I actually mentioned it to my aunt, and she just loved the idea because she loved John Malkovich. But she goes, that story was wacky and freaky. All those people in one head at the very end. Yeah, I mean, you, look, you, had, <laughs> you had John Cusack, you had Cameron Diaz, um, Catherine Keener, mm -hmm. uh, and Malkovich himself was in the movie, which made the movie so much greater. You know, the fact that he and I think there were quite a few people in that movie that played themselves um, because they were people that he was that Malkovich was interacting with. Correct. Yeah, um, I'm trying to look and see. I know there's a couple. Um, let me see. Oh, Charlie Sheen. That's right. Charlie Sheen played <laughs> himself. Um, oh, let me see if there were <laughs> Taylor Hansen and Taylor Hansen, Zach Hansen, and Isaac Hansen. So the uh, the the uh, Hansen the, the Hansen brothers. brothers. <laughs> Winona Ryder played herself. Um, Gary Sinise is in the movie. Brad Pitt played himself. Sean Penn played himself. Yeah, there was, man, David Fincher, Andy Dick, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Spike Jonze. There's so many people in this movie I don't remember being in this movie. I think it was during like a party that he shows up at and they encounter, he encounters them while he's in Malkovich's head. And then they play a little bit of an extreme version of themselves. And how they interact with Malkovich with Cusack's character in it. Yeah, it, this is a movie that is definitely needs a. This needs a rewatch. <laughs> very very soon, this movie needs a rewatch. Um, written by Charlie Kaufman. Wow. Yeah. Did not. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Very out there. <laughs> you know, same guy that brought you, uh, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He was correct. So cool. Yeah, and uh, on top of that, that, that like I said it before, I stated before, it, it's he went to his agent and said, "Give me the most obscure screenplay you could find, something strange that I could dive into." Winner, and it, and he did. <laughs> yep, and it worked out, and he thought it was going to be a bomb because he was handed all the same thing, the cliched scripts that he didn't want. He goes, all right, fine. I'll show everybody, and I'll take a, a a script and take that that role that nobody would ever think I would take. And he did, and he did it perfectly. Yeah, and he, I mean, not only did he take it, but he elevated it. Yeah. Um, you know, with the, the puppets where, and everything. Yeah, it it was just. It's it's one of those movies that I think out of every movie on my list, 
I would probably recommend the most mm. because it's so out there. Yeah, same here. So, uh, all right, we're heading to the top two territory. <laughs> uh, what is your number two? Well, you already mentioned it, Con Air. Con Air, of course. <laughs> just because of the gumption, the attitude within it, and his conviction in that role, I just loved the way he portrayed Vince Larkin in that movie. Yeah. The way he was able to, he just like, Take it on a whim. Oh, I'll just take the Porsche. <laughs> was it a Porsche? Uh, uh, oh, no. I forget what kind of car it is. Oh, was it a Bentley? No, it wasn't a Bentley. Um, oh, God. See, now this is going to bug me. But, uh, yeah, I, I just remembered the how I, I just love the character and how he created that role. And down to, like, the, the, the wicker style shoes that he had worn. And he went that further because they make a comment within the actual movie from one of the uh, other agents saying he, he's wearing wicker on his feet. <laughs> um, Malloy's car was a Corvette Stingray. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the fact that he, he just is propelled and how he believed in Nick Cage's character, which was so amazing. There are only two men I trust. Yeah. <laughs> one of them's me, the other one ain't you. Exactly. God, I love that movie. It's so much fun. Um, I mean, and anybody else who loves that movie, I you'll you'll plug it towards the end of the uh towards the end of the podcast, towards the end of the episode, but mm-hmm. um go back and check out the episode of Adrenaline Cinema that you and I did yeah. about Con Air, because it's it was it was so much fun to talk about that movie. Yeah. So... I knew that was going to be in your top five. <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind that was going to be in your top five. It had to be. Yeah, absolutely. Just like yours. <laughs> um, so moving on to my number two, uh, my number one and my number two are two movies that you already mentioned on your list. Now it's a matter of which one falls into two and which one falls into one. Okay. Uh, and it was a tough choice. It really was because I love both of these movies. Number two is gross point blank. Um, you, you touched on most of it already. The amazing cast with Dan Aykroyd, Minnie Driver, his sister, Joan Cusack, which I think is one of a couple times him and Joan have worked together. Yes. I believe it was the first time that they actually worked together. I think it was the first time. Oh, no, 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 no. 16 Candles. That's, she was in 16 Candles. I forgot, but I had a brain fart and i just realized that yep they were both in 16 candles i I don't know if they were in the same scene but they were in the same movie i will freely admit um i have only seen 16 candles maybe twice Hmm. um is she i don't see her listed in she is in there yes she is yep yes she is Um, yeah, I've only seen 16 Candles maybe twice. It came out in 1984. I don't think I've seen it since maybe 1995. Okay. So it's been been a while. It's been like 25 <laughs> years since I've seen 16 Candles, which is a shame because I love those Brat Pack movies. Uh, John Hughes movies are great yeah, to watch. I, yeah. So I'm really anticipating when we do the John Hughes episode on this pot on this show because I'm going to revisit movies like 16 Candles, like movies I haven't seen in a long time. Like Pretty yep. Pink and 16 Candles are two I have not seen probably like 20 years. So, wow. although I don't think Pretty in Pink was Hughes. Mm, I no. could be wrong, but I'm, we're getting off topic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, that was my my number two, as we mentioned. We kind of touched on it already, but you're right. Uh, the, the interactions and the chemistry between John Cusack and Aykroyd are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interactions between John and his sister are fantastic. Oh, it's funny because you don't think of them as siblings, but the way they're bickering is funny. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, you can tell they're, they're siblings. You wouldn't know it, but they're not in the show, but in the movie, but you've they're not in the same scene ever, too, because he's always on the phone. Oh, with always her. on the phone with her. Yeah, always <laughs> on the headset with her. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that brings us into our number ones of top favorite John Cusack movies. Uh, what have you got for number one? And this is kind of cliched because it came out in 85, but it's better off dead. Because I had a feeling when you said 85, my, that's what it was. My introduction to John Cusack. And I just love the whole comedy in it. He might hate it. He might have hated the director and the focus and what he did. But I enjoyed what he presented. And this is kid on a suicidal mission because of his <laughs> ex-girlfriend that just breaks up with them with the guy that's going to ski the biggest mountain in their area. Yeah. And he's got to prove to him that he's wrong. And then he meets the one girl that he, you'd think he would never fall for, which is somebody supposedly doesn't speak English and is French, a French exchange student. Which I don't think we've seen her in anything else since then, have we? A a few movies and a few shows here and there. That's about it. I, I have seen her at conventions and she's been presenting other things other than Better Off Dead. Oh, I am so very wrong. I'm looking at her IMD now, and she has been in a lot of stuff Yeah. since then. It's mostly... Oh, that's right. She was Princess Joanne and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The first one. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, it looks like it's a lot of like one-off television appearances. Correct. Yeah. Um, since then. But yeah, she's she's still... She's got some stuff still coming, too. So she's she's still out there. <laughs> nice. That's good. I like that when that happens and people haven't just completely disappeared mm-hmm. off the earth, off like the face of the earth. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, though. I mean, like I said, I kind of lean more towards one uh, one crazy summer than better off dead. Mm-hmm. But better off dead's a great movie. I mean, where else are you going to get a a stalkerish paperboy after just two dollars? Two dollars. <laughs> You know, who will go to pretty much any length just to collect the fees for a newspaper. Honestly, my, my list would have been different if it was a top 10. Trust me, because there's so many of his movies that I do really love. Well, that's enjoy. what honorable mentions are for. And, and that's what I'm going to be doing later, too. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we did a top 10, would your list have been different? Oh. Like, be- would they have been rearranged? Oh, definitely. But then that doesn't make them... But then, but these are the orders that I would watch these particular movies based upon content and quality and what I liked and I loved about these films. Okay, I mean, because I mean, I'm I'm of the I'm of the ilk that if if we did a top ten, these would still be in my top five. So I might have rearranged a few things, but I if it were a top ten, the last three would be far different, but. It's kind of like I'm in between and I have to make a choice. I get Which it. It's going to be your top three. You know, I, I totally get it. Like I said, my number one and my number two were so close. 
that it was tough for me to choose. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the more I sat and I thought about it and, you know, I had to think about like, hey, like, OK, what movie means more to me? What movie if I had the choice, like if I could only choose one of them to watch, which one would I watch? Um, and that leads to my number one, which is High Fidelity. Uh, uh, that movie. I, that movie to me has has meant more to me um, and has felt more like me the older I get. Uh, you know, watching that in in high school, my biggest takeaway was Jack Black's humorous dance to Walking on Sunshine. Mm -hmm. uh, but the older I got, the more and I started to appreciate music more. Um, I started DJing. Uh, I started collecting vinyl. The more I started to realize that I'm even more. um Oh, God, what's his character's name? Um, uh, Gordon, um, Rob Gordon. I The more I started to not only sympathize, but compare myself to that character. Um, like I said, I'm jealous of his vinyl collection. <laughs> Same I'm, here. I'm jealous of the fact that he worked in a vinyl record store. Um, I'm sure it doesn't pay well unless mm. you owned the store, which I think he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, and even then it might not be, it might not pay, pay as much yeah. because he's got to pay his employees, got to pay rent. He's got to pay insurance. Exactly. But I mean, get the equipment. Yeah. You know, that's why he DJed on the side because he still needed more, more money. Um, but you know, the whole making the tape for the girl that you have the crush on, mm -hmm. um, you know, being jealous when that girl moves on. Like we've, these are all things that we've been through in our lives and the love of the music, the vinyl, like the D like there were so many elements of my life that I, that I were similar to my own, that the more the older I got, the more I started to appreciate this movie. As well as the the, the character and what he went through and the story behind yes. it. And exactly. it's very much how I feel because my toss-up for my number one would have been, of all things, Serendipity. Another kind great of, movie. Another great movie. Yeah. And it kind of it, it falls similar to High Fidelity, but that's why I had to put High Fidelity in there. Because it really feels with the music and emotions. Yeah, I, I, and that's one of the reasons why, like I said, when I when I was putting my top five together, I was like, High Fidelity's got to be number one. It has to be. Um, and it's one of those movies I learned to appreciate ev more every time I watch it. Yeah, as you get older, you start to see a little bit more into the actual character, the story, and the feeling behind the music. Yeah. I, I get it completely. I mean, and you look at some of the characters that are in it, too. I mean, we mentioned Jack Black already, who was still very early in his career. Mm -hmm. um, I think like Ocean County was one of the other movies that he had done around this time. Yeah, um, he had formed Tenacious D already, but he was more known for rock music than he was for acting. And High Fidelity kind of put him on the map at this point. Um, but, you know, in addition to John Cusack and Jack Black, you had Catherine Zeta-Jones, Lisa Bonet. Uh, Sarah Gilbert, Tim Robbins, um, an, an amazing cast in what feels like a very independent film. Yeah. Um, and I love that independent film with like the high profile actors. Like I love, I love that. And, and the same thing with Lily Taylor, who is always that conscience 
friend that's always there too. That's right. I forgot Lily Taylor was. She's in that an amazing too. actress. She's very underrated, but she's amazing with whatever character she pulls yeah. and creates. Yeah, high fidelity. I'm not gonna lie. Just talking about it, I may end up watching it when we're done recording. <laughs> of course, I I may end up watching that when we're done recording. Mind you, everybody, he said it. that a lot when we were doing Adrenaline Cinema too. So he's like, it I happens, gotta go back and watch. It happens every time I record one of these one of these episodes of Wilhelm. Yeah. Like, there's it makes always, you want to go back and reflect. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really I I wanted to do this this show this podcast was because i wanted to be reminded of movies that i love and i want to be i want to learn about movies i've never seen before that um, that's a good one too you know to make me go and watch these movies i want to be introduced to, to movies i've never seen well th um, that's what i do with mine when i do adrenaline because like you already brought up like a movie that i never knew when it came to your you know one of those movies that were guilty pleasures so oh, I, Black Dog. That's right. Yeah, Black Dog. And I watched it. I thought it was funny as it's, hell. It's so ridiculous, but I love that movie. But there are certain movies that I have not seen, but everybody will mention and be like, oh, oh, I got to watch that. And I put it on a list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there are a ton of other John Cusack movies out there that I know we love. So uh, we don't have to dive as deep mm -hmm. into these. But what are, what's an honorable mention on your list for a John Cusack movie that you love? Well, The Sure Thing from 1985. See? Talk about movies I've never seen before. Daphne I've Zuniga. Never seen. He's in college. He's got to get home. Doesn't have a ride home. Figures out. And he's the avant-garde, uh, like, like, anarchist that's out there to doing their own thing. Gets, like, just passing grades. Doesn't care. Is drinking. Whatnot. Now, mind you, Daphne Zuniga is the typical i have to get straight a's i have to have that 4.0 average and he gets stuck in a car with her and they detest each other by the end of the movie because the movie is premised on the fact that he has a sure thing a girl that will sleep with him and be with him at the very end of his journey to get back home and that's his whole point and they go through all these tribes and tribulations throughout the road they get kicked off from their ride and they have to find another way to get home to get to this and that's his biggest commitment is to get to that girl and then along the way he kind of falls in love with of course he does because that. that's the formula for a movie like that yeah 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 i mean that was the typical 80s movie formula yeah um he went through the same thing in better off dead he was chasing one girl but realizes there's somebody else right there, there. <laughs> that you know that is even better yep. um yeah i'm looking at the cast i mean you're looking at you're talking about anthony edwards as well mm -hmm. he another movie with tim robbins he tends to share the screen with a lot of the same people over and over again that he does he, he likes working with the same people mm -hmm. uh and nicolette sheridan who was the sure thing in the movie yep so interesting yeah that's one i'm gonna have to go and check out because that's one i've never seen uh, one of my honorable mentions, uh, we mentioned Better Off Dead already, which was one of my honorable mentions. Uh, but another movie that I really enjoyed uh, was Pushing Tin. Oh, that was a good movie. Yeah, him. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie. Yep. Where he plays a... Um, um, air traffic controller. Air traffic controller. Yep. And he's competing with Billy Bob Thornton. Yep. And obviously Angelina Jolie's in between them. Yeah, it's it's not it's not an amazing movie, 
but it's fun. It's a it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's one that I remember really enjoying when I watched it. Yeah. So yeah. another movie that came out right around the same time as um, uh, being John Malkovich. I think it was the same year, actually. I think they were either. I think they were within a couple months of each other. Yeah, I think that was during his like creative phase. He just really wanted to be creative in whatever characters he had. Yeah, at that point, it what he didn't want to do the typical. I want to be pigeonholed in this particular character format, but oddly enough, a lot of his characters seem very similar on their journey. If you think about it, well, you stick with what you know. Yeah, you know, um, you know, stick with what you're good at. Stick with what you know. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, being John Malkovich was, was 99, uh, Pushing Tin was 99, and High Fidelity was 2000. So they were right in that time frame, like you said, of the, like the creative surge mm-hmm. of John Ma- of, uh, of John Malkovich. No, of, of John Cusack. <laughs> John Cusack. Uh, what's another one of your honorable mentions? Uh, that would be Identity from 2003. See, I wasn't too crazy with Identity. Um, I, it's I an interesting lo- concept. The story, the concept. The fact of how he had to play a part of this person's mind, but a different version. Like, everybody else had their key role in it, and it was an ensemble cast, yes. But I thought he was very key to it because he brought everybody together. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it does have a great cast. I know Ray Liotta was one of the other leads. Amanda Peet was one of the leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alfred Molina, I remember being in that movie, too. Yes. Um, But it's one of those movies that I don't, like I, it didn't strike me so much that I I even really remember the plot. I but what I if I remember correctly, and this is going into spoiler territory, it was a guy with multiple personalities. Yes, he was on death row. He's gonna be executed. And they were all somebody, like in a hotel, but they were all. But the they were in this guy's mind. Personalities within his mind. Yes. And it was a way for the therapist to get through to him to find some sort of humanity before they pulled a switch to kind of turn the idea of executing him, which was a kind of a battle with all the personalities and who would be the domineering one that would be remained at the end and who and which one actually killed those people. Maybe. I mean, I remember because that movie came out in the early 2000s and I haven't seen it since then, because like I said, I don't remember it being anything that really struck me too, uh, too well or too hard. Maybe that's one I need to go back and and revisit just to see if I change my opinion on it. Honestly, to me, it captivated me because of the thrilling aspect of it, kind of like a Norman Bates kind of thing. And that's the reason why I really it, it really attracted to me. Mm-hmm. as well as John's portrayal of the character, because he was kind of like one of the dominant personalities within actual film. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go back and check it out then mm-hmm. um, and and see. Uh, one of my honorable mentions, it's goofy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and we kind of mentioned already, but it's a guilty pleasure is Hot Tub Time Machine. Same here. It's, I mean, you look at the cast, um, you know, of John, you have uh, John Cusack, Rob Corddry, Chevy Chase, Crispin Glover, uh, Craig Robinson, Clark Duke. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian, that's right. Sebastian Stan (laughs) was in it. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan. Mm. Um, I, oh God, I want to. 
I think there's one other name I'm forgetting and I can't remember. Oh, but all I remember is that them meeting like one of my favorite it's a running gag of the entire movie Great is before Buffalo. they go back in time is Crispin Glover's character doesn't have an arm. Yes. He's he's only got one arm so when they go back that he's got two. Mhm. And it's the running gag of, is it going to happen, happen now? Is, is it going to happen, happen now? Is it going to happen now? Yeah. yeah. And it's so ridiculous. But it's, I, I loved it. I It's so goofy. Um, and, it, and it's one of those movies that you have to watch just because you want to laugh and have a good time with it. And, you know, the, the one thing I always get, and I always usually recite it to people, Great White Buffalo. The Great yes. White Buffalo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, and, and Chevy's also, I mean, and I'm sure we're going to do an episode of Chevy, um, yeah. you know, with Wilhelm. He's notoriously hard to work with. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, he may be hard to work with and he may not always like the material he's doing. But you got to give it to him. He commits. He, he may not like the material, but he'll commit to do everything that he's supposed to do. Yeah, and he's going to be an old curmudgeon about it, but he's going to do it. Yeah, definitely. And the funny thing about Chevy Chase, not to digress too far, there, uh, if you think about and how he works with people, who was it in community? The one of the big stars, uh, I forget his name, Joel McHale. McHale, yeah, yeah. McHale pr portrays Chevy Chase, yes, he does, in a movie about. National uh, Lampoon. It's, it's a feudal, stupid gesture. Yeah. Yep. That's about National Lampoon. It's about the beginning and the creation of National And it's amazing to watch that that show about that. And then you see the real Chevy at that point a lot of times. Yeah. But you saw all the wacky things he did behind the scenes. But... Well, I mean, even, um, you know, even I watched, again, not to stay on this tangent, but I recently watched a documentary on the life of John Belushi. Um, and they kind of dive into Chevy there, too. Mm. Um, because Belushi thought he was going to be the star of SNL and Chevy was the one that took the lead. Yeah. And it because... wasn't until Chevy left that John stardom really began to rise. Yeah. He, he took over at that point because everybody wanted the wacky person. Yeah. Yep. Even though most of what he did was just fall down, you know, on <laughs> yeah. stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hot tub time machine is just, it's one of those, it's so goofy and it's dumb, but if I have an opportunity to watch it, I'm probably going to sit and watch it. Same here. Uh, very much like the, the second episode of that, or the second or the sequel, where you see him show up at the very end. He does. Only in the unrated version, though. Yes. If, if you look at the theatrical, he, they cut that scene out, but he does show up at the end of the unrated version. Which is pretty cool. And so, sets up a third one that they will probably never do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I and you know what? That was one of those things, too. I was very late to the game when it came to Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Like, I watched I watched the first one when it came out, um, and I've watched it a couple times since. But I didn't watch Hot Tub, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, I think, until maybe a year or two ago. Oh, really? Um, I watched it the year it came out. I, I mean, it, it came hilarious. out in 2015. Yeah, but I think it was like either late 2019 or early last year, 2020, that I finally sat and watched it. And I think one of the things that turned me off of it was that I knew he wasn't in it. Like I knew he didn't return yeah. to to reprise the role. And then I remember watching it and I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's still funny, it but still I'm, holds I'm, up. 
I miss yeah. his character. That's and what... then he shows up at the end and I'm like, okay, just made it worth it. Exactly. That's what Wish I, I watched too. it earlier. <laughs> so uh, what's another honorable mention on your list? I already mentioned serendipity because it was in tie to my number one, mm. but the only, well, the next one up would, for me, would be Stand By Me. Yes, and also on my list. Danny, Danny Lachance, uh, the brother that died, and such a heartfelt, even though it was a cameo. It's a very minor role. Yeah, It's very minor, very small, but it made sense, and it worked out. And it showed a lot of heart, and it showed ha- his drama skills, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's a minor role, and it's a cameo role, but it's it's very important to that story. Yes. Um, which is another reason why, yeah, I have it on my list of honorable mentions as well, because stand by me is just an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not in it enough enough. No, to put, to jump it into a top five spot. No, not um, really, but it absolutely deserves an honorable mention because of his appearance in it. Yep. So, um, I have to say, I really only have one other one on my list. Um, and that's say anything. It's I don't know how you can talk about John Cusack without bringing up that movie or how many of us had a radio playing Peter Gabriel for a girl. Are you kidding me? I will still hold a cell phone up playing that song. Actually, I knew somebody that did that because it's such an like it is. It is one of those. I mean, you look at every 80s movie, um, you know, where the guy gets the girl. um you know, we mentioned Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer. You mm-hmm. look at Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller. You you look at all these classic '80s movies where where there's a guy and girl romantic angle. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but um, Lloyd Dobler standing outside with that boombox playing "In Your Eyes" by Peter Gabriel yeah. is still hands down the most romantic gesture of any '80s movie. Uh, it's the most iconic, along with the Bref- Breakfast Club with Judd Hirsch. Uh, Judd, Nelson, Judd Hirsch? Sorry, Judd Nelson. I don't sorry. remember Judd Hirsch being but in Imagine that movie. Judd Hirsch in, uh, you know, the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Judd Nelson yes. with the fist going up and everything else. It's mo- one of those iconic symbols or, or visuals that we see. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned like Judd Hirsch. I mean, Judd Nelson. <laughs> Um, you gotcha. know, Judd, Judd Nelson putting the arm up at the end of the Breakfast Club. That is like the iconic 80s rebellion stance. And Lloyd Dobler holding up that boombox is the iconic 80s romantic stance. Yes. Um, romantic gesture. I mean, you look at, you know, like a television show like The Goldbergs, which is all about Adam Goldberg's life in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That show has been on for six or seven seasons at this point, <laughs> if not more. And they've done that 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 Lloyd Dobler moment three times already. I know. Um, you know, with different <laughs> characters because and it it's can't so get old. Iconic. No. And it, it doesn't get old at all. And even even now that song it, it, I mean when I hear that song I think of that movie. Same here. But that song is still so iconic and so romantic and 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 means so much that when I did DJ, I don't think I DJed a wedding where in your eyes was not played, you know, as like a dance song or a background song, or I, I know people who have used that for their processional to the aisle. Wow. You know, because of how iconic that song is. So it, again, 
I would not be doing this episode any justice if at any point I did not mention say anything. Exactly. It it's needed. Yeah. Um, that's the end of my honorable mentions. I, whatever. I don't know how many more you have. I just have one more. Okay, go for it. That would be fourteen oh eight from two thousand seven. Uh, him and Sam. Him and Sam Jackson. Yep. Uh, yeah. An adaptation of a Stephen King. Was it a novel or a short I think story? It's a sh- I think it's a short story. Same here. Yeah. But it, it was so very well done and so interesting to see because the focal point was literally just him throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's a paranormal investigator. Correct. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting to see that. And because of his loss of a child, it ruining his marriage him going on these things and he doesn't even believe in the supernatural after all this but this creates him to believe in all this in the end and kinds kind of brings his, him and his wife back together again to some degree at the very end of the particular movie yeah but um i have to say as well um that that movie um holds a special note to me because i have a friend who was in that movie oh cool Cool. uh my recent uh i've become an actor i've become friends with over the past couple years uh is actor drew powell uh, and drew powell plays the assistant hotel manager in that movie oh wow yeah i'll look for him when i watch it again (laughs) um it's so weird Going off topic again real quick, like when you become friends with like an actor or you become a like a, a stronger acquaintance with them, yeah. you, know, you get to know them a little bit. When you go back and you rewatch projects and they pop up and you didn't even realize they were in it. Yeah, because it was a starting point for them or just a cameo or small role that they played. Yeah. You're like, wait and, a minute, th- there they are. <laughs> and it's always fun, especially like with Drew, because I it's happened to me a couple times um, <laughs> with Drew. Uh, 1408 was one of those times when I rewatched it and I noticed him in that. Um, he's in, oh God, what was the, oh, I think he's, is it Jerry Maguire? No, no, it was, it was an episode of Psych. Um, I was rewatching Psych, and he popped up in an episode of Psych, and I immediately picked up my phone. I'm like, "Dude, like, what's going on?" <laughs> and then I remember the one day I was watching The Office because I I've been rewatching The Office a lot. Oh, I remember it, seeing him in that, and yeah. it's not it's nothing new to me now. Um, but I remember the first time it happened when I re- started watching The Office. He plays a bartender at Poor Richards in Scranton. Mm-hmm. And he hits on Jenna Fisher's character in front of John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he asks her, like, you ever been on a motorcycle? Like, that's his pickup line. And I just remember texting him, Drew, hey, Drew, you ever been on a motorcycle? <laughs> and his reaction was like, oh, you got to that episode, did you? <laughs> but he loves it. So, yeah, I 1408 is is a little... It's not special, no. but it's it's a fun one to be on that list because I know somebody who's in it. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I just enjoyed the overall story, the way he presented it. The focal point being him, you know, I'm not going to talk about his lower movies like Cell that he did. Another one with Sam Jackson, I think, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are definitely a couple movies of his that I don't think belong on any list um 2012 is one Mm -hmm. um 
See, I, I, I like Lee Daniels, the butler, but mm. only because Robin Williams was in it. Mm. Um, that's the only reason I even watched that that movie <laughs> um, was because he's in it. Um, Thin Red Line was okay. Yeah. Um, America's Sweethearts was all right. The Grifters was pretty good, though. The Grifters was good. Must Love Dogs was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so there are definitely a lot of movies that he's done that are worth a watch. Mm-hmm. But there's only a select few that make the top five. Exactly. As well as those honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So this was... um. This was a good conversation. I've liked this one. This was uh, we we definitely dove deep into some of these movies. Exactly. Um, but I mean, you know, as I mentioned it at the top, you yourself are a fellow podcaster. We've brought up your shows a couple of times. Mm-hmm. This is your time to shine. Uh, tell us what you got, where people can find you, where people can find what you got. This let it all fly. Well, obviously, I could be found on the next level network. On well, what is it the next level online network? No, next level network. Get it right. All right, I, I, I had it right the first time. Yeah, had it right the first. So time. next level network, and you can find me on Panels to Pixels podcast, and we cover you know comics that are adapted to movies, TV, anime, things of that nature. We're taking a little bit of a hiatus at this point, moment at at this point. So basically, uh, when we come back, we're going to do Loki. We might actually pepper in Modok which is coming out on Hulu. And then I also do another podcast on the Pyrocore Entertainment Network, and that's called Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. And Ben has been on for three Nick Cage films. Three Nick Cage movies. <laughs> and, and a Die Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, and a Bruce Willis movie. And so he's been on four times. So check that out if you can, and you can find that on Pyrocore Entertainment network.com or you could go to our adrenaline cinema podcast and just search that in any player of choice that you have and you can hear all those we just cover action movies suspense movies fantasy adventure films thriller films and all that good stuff that gets your adrenaline going yeah appropriately named so basically uh we we just uh did nobody with bob odenkirk uh we covered that rima and i Look for Goonies to come out, our coverage of Goonies with uh, Jamie Dimmick. And then after that will be uh, John Wick. So, nice. Yeah. Are you are you covering the original John Wick? Um, uh, no. Are you we, covering the franchise? We're covering the franchise. We're on to John Wick 2. So Catcraft and I already covered John Wick 1. We're moving on to John Wick 2. But you could go into your player of choice and just look at all the episodes and pick the ones that you like and just listen to those. Cool. I, yeah, I know. I'm I'm sure I'm going to be on Adrenaline Cinema again <laughs> at some point. Um, there's plenty of other action Nicolas Cage movies out there oh, yes. uh, for us to talk about. And I know Unstoppable with Chris Pine and Denzel Washington is one you and I are going to be covering relative at some point in the future. Yes. Um, I don't know if I, I sh- there might be another one on the list. I don't remember. Oh, there is a, a few others that I've I figured as much. <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. Anytime I thought of an action movie I wanted to talk about, I'm like, Mark, I call this one. I call this one. And he did. And yeah. they're on the list. <laughs> and they're on the list. <laughs> it's just a matter of finding everybody to be peppered in perfectly. And you come in at, every so often. So it's just cool. But you're kind of busy with this. So I understand. And you're you're going to have more than enough on your plate to do with this particular podcast. 
but I'm I'm excited. Um, I'm I'm thankful that you came on to do this one. I know we've got quite a few other episodes on the docket for you to come back for in the future. And oh yeah, uh, you know, just like you with Adrenaline Cinema, I like to spread it out a little bit so that yep. it's not like Mark this week, this week, this week, then this week. So nah. you know, kind of spreading out your episodes, which is good. Um, but yeah, and I think it's it's good to mention too. Pirate Core Entertainment is your network that you created. Yeah, it's just for fun for any content creators that are out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be podcasts. Yeah, it cool. could be YouTubers, Instagrams, Twitters, anybody. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, if you like what you hear on this program, uh, be sure to leave a review on of the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on. The more reviews I get, the more the audience builds. So uh, please leave those reviews. Also, be sure to follow Wilhelm on social media, uh, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast uh, and at the Wilhelm pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Finally, if you want to be a guest on this podcast, I'm more than open to the idea. Uh, or if you have an idea for a topic or theme you want to see, you want to hear us cover a film franchise, uh, a film you want us to take a dive, a deep dive into, you want to hear us debate something that's that's out there. Uh, you can let me know by messaging me at any of the places I mentioned, or you can email me directly at the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. So plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Uh, but those reviews are the most important part. So if you enjoy what you, if you like what you hear, leave me a review, uh, leave the show a review online. Uh, but that said, that's going to wrap up this episode. Mark, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, this is I, I love doing these deep dives in the movies. I already have a list of three movies I need to go back and rewatch and <laughs> one or two I need to check out the first time. And what's troubling is that the fact that I've already recorded another a number of these episodes already uh, and my list is like 10 movies long. Oh, well, when you're bored one day and you just need something to watch. You that got a bored? Ton. What is that? Oh, well, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what what is boredom? I'm not aware of this this thing. I don't have time to be bored. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you so much again for coming on uh, and doing this episode. This was a fun deep dive. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, thank you for any comments that you leave, any posts, any reviews. Thank you for all of it. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of. I almost said adrenaline cinema because you got it in my head. <laughs> oh, man. Let me correct that. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Wilhelm. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.